0: If you want to find Psalm 23 this morning, we're going to kind of camp out there uh, and just help one another. So we have about 20 minutes or so um, to encourage each other. And my goal this morning is to help us know how better to pray for the church, to know how better to think about um, the leadership that the church is looking for, and and help equip one another as we, we certainly have upcoming, um, if God wills, sooner rather than later, uh, um, a choice put before the congregation of uh, men to come in and lead us. And so as we think about these things, um, I'm going to just mention this book. So we're starting, uh, Brother Ricky and myself and Brother Eikenberry are just beginning to learn what does eldership look like, and if so, is that something that the Lord might call us to at some point in the future? Um, And so this book is by Alexander Strauch. We've used him before, um, particularly for deacons' books, but he also has a very helpful book on eldership. Um, And so the first chapter was, and correct me if I'm wrong, brother, I know you've read it as well. Um, It seemed like he was primarily giving an overview of what an elder is and drawing on the imagery of a sheep with his shepherd. It seemed to be he was going to that over and over and over again. So I thought with that in mind... um, Instead of reading through his, his chapter here, he, he made allusion to Psalm 23, and of course this seems to be one of the places that we have the most condensed um, analogy of a shepherd. And so as, as we think about Psalm 23, um, I'd like us to take this kind of piece by piece and encourage each other in two ways. So those two things are, well first, the psalm is primarily about Whom? It's about Christ, our, our good shepherd, right? So not necessarily about our particular elder in our particular church. It's about Christ. And yet, nevertheless, we know when God um, uses the apostles to appoint shepherds or teachers, he uses that imagery of a shepherd intentionally. He, he raised up David as a shepherd. He called Moses as a shepherd. And so as Christ comes in, and we saw that he was the good shepherd, right? He, he comes and he teaches the people. We even have... Um, picturesque allusions to this as he feeds the people on the green grass and teaches them his word and, and so we know that Christ is the good shepherd, even explicitly stated so. So the two things we want to look for is one, first, what are we being shown about Christ and the way he is the good shepherd? And then the second thing is, okay, how does that relate to our an, an under-shepherd, one who would be shepherding the, shepherding the people of God? How might we think about that? So I'm gonna give an example so that that's not um, confusing, and then I'm going to start putting the questions towards you guys, and you can help us walk through, okay? So, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So he makes two phrases there. One is a statement, the Lord is my shepherd. The second is, I shall not want. That means his desires are filled, he has no lack, he has no need. So when I think first about Christ, I think Christ is our good shepherd, I shall not want, meaning Christ has... Provided all that I shall need, all that I shall want, I have no desire outside of Him for the things which I need in Him, and so this is what Christ does. And then we think of, okay, well, how should a how should an under shepherd consider that? Well, an, an under shepherd's duty is to give to the people of God all that He need they need in Christ. That is, they are cultivating good desires in their people. Their people are desirous of the word, both in in milk and in meat, and they're desirous of the things that God would have them. And so a good under-shepherd sees that, and he takes the things of Christ, and he gives them to the people. And so people rightly fed and rightly equipped, they they have no want. That is not to say they don't have anything they could possibly want in this world, but it means that they have all that they need in Christ, all that is necessary for salvation, for godliness, and for hope. Okay, so hopefully that was an example. Let's, let's try it on, on verse 2, okay? He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Who would like to take this and, and help us exult in Christ? What do we learn about Christ as the shepherd in verse 2? Yes, brother. Okay. Rest and refreshment from Christ. Okay. Yeah. So, how how does He give us rest and refreshment? the Okay. Yeah. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so it's related to that first verse, yeah. Okay, good. Yes, brother. And those the still waters drawing on imagery, he doesn't bring us to the, to the rapids of, of life, right, but he brings us to the place where we can actually take in that. Okay, yes. I read one time on this chapter, and they said that sheep won't Ah, yeah. Right. 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 And so we understand that doesn't, God doesn't say your life will be 100% peaceful, right? No. But he certainly says, and what I am giving you, right, there is rest. It reminds me of, come to me, all you who are labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest for your soul right? For your soul. Okay, so take that then, and how would we think about praying for those kinds of qualities in an under-shepherd, in a pastor? What sort of things would we be looking for or hoping for? Yes, brother. It makes me think a little bit when you think of the thirst and the water, but even the green pastures, but what about those things, you're gonna hunger. Like the woman at the well, it's like you're never gonna be satisfied by that. Christ, you're going to be fully fed, fully satisfied, living off of the word of God instead of on just bread. Yeah. So if you're the pastor, you can be fed and nourished and sustained yeah. because of the truth he's given us in the word and in Christ to be fully content. And right. Defeated. Yeah. Instead of in that desperate need without. Right. Yeah. In the, yes, do you have your hand up? Go ahead. Yes. Okay. Oh, trust is a big part of this whole, whole thing, right? Like, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's, that's, a, that's a trust. Why do I not want? He's, he's going to lead, right? Yeah. I think the book brought out the imagery of green pasture. He says, sheep really don't, they don't know where to go, as far as if you think of especially domesticated sheep, right? They don't, they don't have the spatial awareness to say, oh, I know two miles this way, there's a green pasture, so I'm going to cross this rocky outcrop to go get there sheep are dumb right but the shepherd says i know i know where the green space is for you to grow healthily and so i think of a pastor should be able to know he says look these are good places to grow in these are places where you're going to starve in right let's we want someone who would who would take the word of god and say hey careful over here but grow over in this area um he leaves me beside the still waters then also perhaps realizing that you, know, you could get a pastor who, who just loves the, the turbulent waters, right? Here's where the theological difficulties are. Let's, let's dive into those. But is that, is that where we grow and we, we flourish? There's a place for understanding complexity but primarily we want a shepherd who would lead us to quiet waters, um, the water of the word. Uh, verse 3 then. He restores my soul He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So first we're on Christ. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Whose name? Jesus. And even Jesus, interestingly enough, when he's here, he's always pointing the glory to the Father, right? Yeah. Paths of righteousness. Oh, what, what, is a, what is a path of righteousness? What imagery is conjured up there? Sometimes it's, yeah, go ahead. Without a path, you don't have guidance. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Right. So the idea of path is something, something's already been blazed ahead for you, right? People have gone gone ahead. In this case, of course, Christ has gone ahead. He has taken on death, and he has risen again. He's the first fruits from the grave, and so there's a, there's a path laid before us. Um, a couple Sunday schools ago, we also talked about the the highways in the wilderness that John laid out, the the um, highway to Zion through the path of, of repentance. And so we see Christ was baptized in uh, and and brought out of the water in in solidarity with with us and our need for repentance and to be in Christ. And then he laid his life down, so also we are to lay our life down. We're we're following in the footsteps of our shepherd. So the path of righteousness is a path that Christ first blazed for us. Um, And it's for the glory of God, not for our own namesake. How does this relate then to to a a shepherd or pastor who might come... And help us in God's word. <laughs> whose, whose namesake is the? Sorry, did I not see a hand? Oh, okay. uh, whose namesake should should this pastor be about? Do we obviously God's right? Do we want a pastor who is there for his namesake, right? No, no. We want we want a man as it were, an invisible man. Um, who cares very little. And I, in some ways, I have no need to instruct you on these. I think we had very good examples um, previously. But uh, we went, we we're looking for uh, men who, who would lay down their lives and give the glory just as Christ did to the Father, um, and even more so, because far be it from us to take even one bit of glory, um, but Christ certainly deserves all. And I think of paths of righteousness. Um, we think of, okay, Christ has blazed the trail to heaven, as it were. But there have been many, many, many saints that have gone on before us and have have followed in that path of Christ. And there's, there's a sense in which we, we ought not to think of the Christian life as trailblazing, right? This isn't, no other Christian has had truth before me, and so I'm going to go, I'm going to set out on my own, and I'm going to blaze trail. Well, the path of righteousness is, is complete in Christ. There, there is no new revelation coming here. And so... Um, though we would not follow everyone explicitly, we, we must test things and be Berean. And in the Scriptures, we also understand that there is there is a path that has uh, been followed. And so, I think when you're looking for a, for a man, you're looking for someone who's not um, infatuated with the novel, right? If every sermon is, you know, I've read every commentary and they all disagree with me, but this is what it said, what I think. You know, that might happen on occasion. You know, sometimes sometimes there's real. Issues with the way you see people interpreting it and you, you, can't, you wrestle with it and you say, I think this is a more faithful way. But on the whole, we, we ought to be looking for someone who is following humbly in the, in the paths that have been laid down before us um, that we might have a good, a good confidence that we're, we're taking, um, taking the wisdom from the saints that God has given um, in previous times and previous generations. Even though I walk through the valley... Of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me, your rod and your staff comfort me. First, we're thinking about Christ as the good shepherd. I'm not afraid, even though I walk through the valley. Your rod and your staff comfort me. So you're thinking the valley of the shadow of death, whatever fears we might have, you have promised to lead your church. And so um, you are with me, right? As God has promised you, you are with me. We will be with him someday, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death now. Yeah. What else? Rod and staff is a comfort, right? Figuring that out... Uh, What do do we think about? The Bible employs this language to comfort us, right? You think of Hebrews. When when he he chastens us, when he disciplines us, he deals with us as, like, enemies. No, that's not what it says, right? He deals with us as with sons. Like, as with sons. So, there's trials. They come, and yet, Rod and Staff, these... uh, some people divide those two things and say the rod and staff symbolize kind of two different things, you know, the rod of correction and the staff of comfort. You can, you can parse it that way or you can um, think about it how you would like, but I think the imagery is clear. There's, there's a, a, a way in which it, it, sheep, and yet on the path there is much comfort knowing that God will keep you there, <laughs> that there's correction there. And when he deals with us as with sons, what is he doing? For our good, he is working things for our good. Things may be tough at times, but he gives us providences that we might seek him afresh, seek him anew, know that our good shepherd is with us, and persevere through, many times, a trial of which we had not had our faith tested in that way. Okay, so how would we, how would we think of this then as a shepherd coming in, a pastor leading us? Okay, so we already mentioned trust, right? Valley, so we're we're looking for someone who understands this this idea. And in times of difficulty, when there's when you seem like you're walking through a valley of shadow death, what can that pastor do? Pa- that pastor cannot say, I'm with you, you know, be be comforted. Don't worry, I'm your buddy. But he can say, look at the promises of God, right? He can point you to the to the shepherd and comfort you with the word of God. He can say, Look, God has given you blessed things, blessed truths. All things work together for good to those who love him. He can say, um, not one hair falls from your head without him knowing. How about the sparrows? Look at the sparrows, right? Are you not worth much more than they? And so a, a, a good under-shepherd can come along and say, you have no reason to fear though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Christ's promises are with you. And then he can help you see this thing that you're going through does not God deal with you as like a son? He's always pointing to Christ and not to himself. The rod and the staff also, we, we understand, even within the church context, God has given us, uh, if you will, a rod and the staff, that, that is, um, we welcome members in, and then it, if there are those who refuse to hear the word of the Lord and, and turn from their sin, and they ultimately refuse to listen to the church and they become indifferent, we, we have commands from God to put them out of the church, A pastor must be courageous enough and willing to do these kinds of things. A a pastor who says, "You know, I just I don't have the heart for it. I would rather just have them here doing whatever they would do." Ultimately, we'll we'll corrupt the flock. This is what Paul says. Um, So we don't want a man that hastily misunderstands any of these things, but someone who must be able to use the uh, the keys of the kingdom help lead the church in using those keys faithfully. All right, so we'll, uh, let's, we're about up in time We got the last two verses here. Uh, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Two very big verses, of course. Uh, but what comes to mind as we think about Christ, the Good Shepherd, Yes. Okay. the last will the So no will That's good, brother. Yeah. No, that's good. The absolute confidence that this almost has, certainly we can't have on our own. So this is clearly Christ being able to say that, right? And yet David writes these things, right? Because the Lord is his shepherd. Okay, so this is good. Yes? Mm. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that's both of it. We're talking about the the assurance here, right? The, the, The assurance of Christ's promises that he will come. Um, yeah no this is good A, a shepherd is not always standing over the sheep and saying are you sure are you sure are you sure no he's saying look at Christ it is sure he is sure the promises are sure right he is pointing you there That's right. That's right. Amen. Amen. Yeah. I think in many ways that connects with the, the prepare a table in the presence of my enemies. The idea is all around is pressing is pressing in the difficulties of of the world, the the enemies who would who would the, the devil who would steal your soul, the, the sin that your flesh longs for. They all they all press in on us as as Christians. And yet, what has Christ done in the very presence of the enemies? He has prepared a table for you. That is, he has spread a a banquet there. We don't, when you think of the enemy coming, you don't think of sitting down and let's eat a meal unless you really, really trust (laughs) the shepherd, right? Unless you really realize, okay, lots of things are pressing in, lots of cares, but Christ has prepared a table before me. And we can even, we can even very clearly say, look, Christ in his body and his blood, he says, my body and my blood is food and drink, Indeed, right? And so, um, yes, you anoint my head with oil, my cup, run, my cup overflows. This is, this is the bounty that we have in the good shepherd, quite apart from our situation and, and quite um, in, in victory over the enemies that press us about. Um, so yes, and, and thinking of our, of our under-shepherd, right? How does, how does he do this? Well, in many ways, a, a shepherd must guard the people, from the enemy, right? Must what, what is going to come into these walls in terms of teaching, in terms of character, in terms of attitude? You know, uh, we, a, a group of people start forming a certain uh, clique and there's, there's enmity. A, a pastor's got to be able to come in and say, look, not in the house of the Lord. <laughs> Here's where we're going to encourage one another. We're not going to start causing division. Um, and in so doing, he, he creates a place in the presence of the enemies where um, you may come. You may come to the Lord's table. You may come have grace. You may have the bounty of God's word. I trust that was uplifting for your soul this morning. I uh, didn't have a whole lot of time to prepare, but God's word is good, and as He is the good shepherd, we have much hope uh, to look forward to. and And the good thing is, the good news is that. Christ being the good shepherd doesn't end, it just gets better when we go into heaven and earth, right? So, truly, truly, we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, and we'll get to see what real shepherding is like. <laughs> so, let's pray. Lord, thank you for comforting our souls, uh, for for taming our anxieties, even my own. Um, as, I, as I worry about many things, my... <laughs> Our, many times our spouses are quite aware of our anxieties, and yet, Lord, you are our good shepherd. You have uh, anointed us in Christ, you're anointed. You have prepared a banquet for us in your word. You have led us together as, as sheep into green pastures and uh, beside still waters. And so we ask that you would um, fill us with the joy of the psalmist who can conclude this psalm when he says, surely, not questionably, surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I know that I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We thank you for this. We thank you for the blood of the cross. In your name, amen.